Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. You know, what do you want your return on investment for this to be? If you're going to spend a hundred grand or more for an education, what's going to happen on the back end of that? And so we work through a pre-approval process like you do for a mortgage to say, this is what your family can afford. And here's the schools that fit based on that. And here's how we can get you through without any debt. Hey, Rudder Nation. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares Encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut into a life worth living in the areas of your faith, your family, and your career or business. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan. And on this episode, I'm going to be joined by financial planner, author, and speaker, Matt Moline. Matt specializes on helping empty nesters prepare for retirement while also enjoying those empty nester years. That's a lot, right? Besides, it's not about how safely we got to our grave. It's how much life we were able to live with the time that we had. And these conversations are very important because money doesn't buy you happiness, but money will buy you the ticket that will or something like that. Uh, Anyway, if you want to eliminate the number one subject around marriage fights, that's money, then this is a great conversation to have. It's why it's rounding out my healthy marriage series. Uh, And so sit back, relax. Bust out that notebook, get that pen ready. Here we go. All right. Hey, Matt, thanks for calling in from, I believe, Iowa, right? Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines, Here we are, Iowa. center of the universe. Yes. Uh, I guess the uh, the world's got its eyes on you guys right now. You in Ohio over the next uh, few days. Uh, yes, yes. The yeah. beloved midterms. You can't watch the TV news without uh, 14,000 political ads right all now. All right. And everybody's evil. <laughs> That's right. Yes, they're all destroying the universe, not just the country, the universe. <laughs> In the little town of wherever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. It, it, it does blow my mind. Uh, I know we're not here to talk about politics because that is not what the show's about, but uh, it does just uh, – it, it's always a good reminder of like taking a step back and separating the emotion from fact and the rhetoric from fact and the propaganda from fact. And I think money has a lot uh, with that as well. Like uh, when we're t- thinking about money for the future, money for the present, uh, there's like our feelings that wrap around it. And then there is our, like the actual data itself. Uh, so a weird segue there, right? Cause uh, the reason why we do have you on here is that uh, you're a CPA by trade. And uh, you just published a book earlier this year in 2022 called Empty Nest, Full Pockets, flashing it there for those who watch this on Ah. YouTube. And uh, you not only have the expertise as a CPA, you have – it is CPA, right? I took my classes off. CFP. uh, CFP, Certified Financial Planner. Yes. Um, Good thing we caught that now as opposed to the – I don't want anybody sending me their tax returns. (laughs) We we partner with the CPAs. (laughs) CFP, Jerry, and CFP, everybody else. You knew. You got the book. So very different. <laughs> it is but different. You, Absolutely. The the point's still the same. You have the expertise. Uh, but on top of that, you in real life sent four kids through school as a blended family. So you and your wife uh, pulled together four kids and you successfully financed all four of them to go through college. Um, how, how long did the two of you 
plan that financially, um, either individually or together? So um, because the kids were so close in age when we got together, which was about 15 years ago, the kids were little. They were six, seven, eight, you know, somewhere in, in that range. And so uh, I had been planning for my two biological kids um, with, at like 50 bucks a month, just putting a little bit into a, you know, one of these tax advantaged accounts that are set up for college. Um, because I'd gone to school, my wife had uh, their step parents. We expected that they probably would end up going to college. So we thought we better uh, get active pretty early. So that's really how it started. Then I figured out when we got married that I was going to have basically all four of them in school in in one given calendar year. They'd all be there. So we're going to be paying an exorbitant amount. And it was going to be this kind of uh, just blunt force trauma <laughs> when they all went with of, of expenses. And so um, – I did get to work on just what we, what I thought we could afford, how much I needed to save to get them there. I also knew that I could use my income to help pay for some of it along the way. So I didn't want to oversave or basically get it out of balance. And so we, you know, spent a fair amount of time on it. But what I learned through the whole process, Jerry, is how confusing it is and how hard it is to know what it's actually going to really cost and how one kid pays a completely different price than another kid. And so uh, writing the book and going through that journey is what I really tried to help parents explain because I'm in the business and I found it very confusing. I can only imagine, you know, if you're not used to the word FAFSA and financial aid and all these things, it can be a bureaucratic nightmare, yeah. quite honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I shared with you before we hit the record button that uh, at one point I had uh, one son in college and a daughter getting ready to join him. And uh, I think we got blessed that the son had dropped out as the daughter was going in. We're like, oh, good. <laughs> Net zero. We love that. Figure it out your own kid. You're a grown man now. <laughs> uh, but I remember like I was, I was commuting uh, between towns at the time that our son had left. And uh, so I'm asking questions about like the, the, the money side of the college that, or the university he, he had chosen. And a lot of the, que- the responses from my wife and my son were, I don't know. It's just like so many numbers. And I thought, well, can, can you send it to me? Like, I think the thing that really matters to us is what's our out of pocket? Like, how much are we expected to bring to the table? And, uh, you know, by the time we figured it all out, we had gotten the, the finances worked out. And of course, by, by the time my son had stepped away from college and our daughter went, um, you know, we really lucked out, like all the pieces fell into place for what we have in Texas called the Hazelwood Act. So that covered a lot of things. We're like, Whoo. Yeah. Because we're probably like most Americans. We did not plan as well as our, you know, for our kids' future. Um, it was just sort of this like, um, they're in high school and my wife's like, ah, they'll, they'll be fine. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think that's going to be right. And, uh, if it weren't for the Hazelwood Act, if it weren't for some other, um, things like our income had increased, uh, there, there was a cost savings with our son moving out. We're like, oh, wow, food's a lot less expensive now. <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing what teenage boys, how they can clear your fridge in a matter of minutes. Right. Yeah. More so when they bring their friends over too. It's like, oh, exactly. Man. Yeah. Uh, what I loved about your book is that uh, it doesn't just solely focus on uh, 529 education accounts because that's typically all you hear about when it comes to saving for the, the future of your kids for their education is 529 this, 529 that. You talk about it in your book. Um, but before that, there's some preliminary things that you lead a discussion through, like, um, what is the real cost for you and how does it come? How does that university compare to other universities? Um, and, and you, you touched on that a little bit. So what are some of the ways that, um, you know, just in one given university, no two students are really paying the same amount? 
So they all have their formulas and, and ways that they calculate uh, financial aid offers. And so it all starts with the parents filling out the financial aid, the FAFSA form, and they'll see what's called their expected family contribution. This is what the government and its um, genuine benevolent thinking thinks that you can afford based on your income and assets. And so the schools take that number and put it through a grinder to say, we'll give you money or we won't give you money. We'll, we'll give you grants uh, or we'll give you loans or whatever they, they decide in, in their format. And so these schools decide which kids they want, which uh, families they want uh, to be there based on the FAFSA, the grades, the ACT, SAT, all the, the essays, all of that stuff. And then if they want you bad enough, they'll put together a, a, a financial aid package that will try to inspire you to, to select that school. On the other hand, the, the universities that rank very high don't have to do that. It's just a supply and demand issue. Yeah. They get thousands of applications for every freshman class and they could give a rip if you go there or not, because they're going to be making their numbers. And so there's a whole tier of schools outside of those that are outstanding liberal arts, state schools, small private colleges that will uh, work hard to get you there. And you'll be surprised at how um, much aid they'll actually provide. And that aid offer can be appealed. And this yeah. is something that a lot of parents don't know. And so we've helped a lot, we've helped a fair number of families say, well, listen, you got this offer from X university. We got this offer from Y university. Let's show them because she really wants to go to X, what the offer was and see if they'll match it. And sure enough, like you're buying a car, they'll come through and, and change and amend the offer based on if they're getting all the kids in that they want, if they really want your family uh, to be part of the university, all of those kind of things. And so it was something I didn't even know existed when I was getting my kids through the process and something that I learned along the way. And uh, Malcolm Gladwell had a book out a few years back that, um, you know, we often think that like the big name schools are the way to get your foot in the door in a job. Uh, but then I think he was looking at some stats. I mean, it's Malcolm Gladwell. He looked at a lot of stats. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And what he found was that, you know, going to a big name school isn't necessarily the best way to prepare yourself for the field you want to get into. Sometimes, if not a lot of times, uh, the best way to prepare yourself is not to be the little fish in the big pond, but to be the big fish in the little pond. And he showcases some examples of folks who went to a smaller university and now run uh, nationwide programs or worldwide programs. And it was their experience at these smaller universities that allowed them to build confidence, get that deeper dive with their professors and the content. And they really truly became experts in their field, uh, even though they weren't at like a Johns Hopkins or, um, you know, Harvard or UT. Sorry, guys. I'm in Texas. I just said UT. Uh, <laughs> we'll throw A&M in there. Just be fair. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of confusion about that. And certainly if your kid goes to Harvard, they're going to, you know, that's a, a great thing, but that's the, uh, you know, 1% answer. There's so many great schools below those that don't get maybe the rankings and those rankings come from the other schools. I mean, it's a, um, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back kind of system as far as how those rankings go. Wow. And so I talk in the book about mindsets. Uh, we frame it as money mindsets, but we talk a lot about you know, what do you want your return on investment for this to be? If you're going to spend a hundred grand or more for an education, what's going to happen on the back end of that? And so we work through a pre-approval process like you do for a mortgage to say, this is what your family can afford. And here's the schools that fit based on that. And here's how we can get you through without any debt, um, Mr. or Mrs. Student, so that you're not coming out and having a $500, $1,000 loan payment in conjunction with rent that's going through the roof. 
um, and all these other expenses. So framing it in a way that, all right, we're going to go and this is an investment. Who's going to pay for it? Because many families, this is a something that they don't really address is that some families really feel like the child needs to, to drive the process and pay for the process. Others want to do, I want to give my kid this gift of education and it's important to me. And so we're going to pay the whole thing. And many families are down the middle of the road on that. But you have to have that conversation as a family to figure out who, how that's going to work. So that everybody's going in with a, a fair understanding because if it, a kid gets into a really prestigious university, but the family can't afford it, that can create a lot of heartburn, heartache for the family. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash CapShow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Now, about how soon should a family start having this kind of conversation? Um, you know, it, it really depends on the family. Um, you know, when those high school years kick in, obviously you're you're beginning to think about the next step and there's going to be a uh, time coming up when they're going to go to school. So we began to frame it early for the kids that if they went to a state university in Iowa, we'd pay for it. If they wanted to go out of state, if anything that they wanted to do at a different school that was going to cost significantly more, they would have to cover that difference. And so laying those expectations early really, really helped our family. And I've seen others that um, they once again get surprised by the cost of a, of a school that's more elite, and then uh, they've already committed to doing it. And then it can have a negative impact on the rest of the, the kids that are going to school if you have kids behind them, things like that. And so the earlier, the better. But definitely in the high school years, it's something to start kicking around and exploring, all right, what does it really cost? And what does the government actually think I'm going to pay? And what does the school think I'm going to pay? And are we on track to, to make that work? And and it's just so important to really take a look at if taking on all this debt really going to be worth it. And that's yeah. what we've had such a challenge with in this country is so much student debt that it's just choking a lot of kids as they get out of school because they don't have um, – you know, the commensurate salaries and stuff that for what they paid for. Yeah. And that was like a thing you heard a lot about during like the Occupy Wall Street movement was I have this history, you know, master's degree, but I also have like $45,000 in student loan debt and I have no job to pay it off. And uh, that that one example would be either touted as this is why we're trying to reform the system or uh, the other side of the issue would be like, well, this is why he should make better choices with his life. And it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah. it's, a, it's a fact. It's reality. There are people out there who have these degrees and a lot of debt. Um, and I love that you pointed out two things already. One, um, as a family, it's really important to get pre-qualified. I mean, we get pre-qualified for a car. We get pre-qualified for a house. We should also pre-qualify for what can we truly afford and what's expected for us to spend on our child's or children's uh, education. And the second one, uh, you, you talked about it, but we didn't really like, preface it, uh, but it's very important, is what are the boundaries for what we can spend? Uh, with your kids, you talked about if you go to a state school in Iowa, we got gotcha. you. 
we got you covered. You have no idea how we got you covered. We got you covered. Uh, now, if you got a state, that changes the game a bit. You know, the, we, we can cover this much, but not this. And, and so very important to fine tune what is covered, what is not, because that's become, you know, that becomes a, a sticking point. I, I've got friends who had kids and have kids in college, and that was the thing they were always mad about. We've been blessed because, you know, we had an agreement with our kids, like, while you're in school, we will cover all the tuition and books and fees we can, plus your housing. Um, but anything you want beyond that, you want to take your girl out, you know, you want, you want a car, uh, fuel, that, that's going to have to be on you. If you want to go on road trips, you're going to have to come up with the money yourself. Um, and then when my son, you know, I mentioned earlier, when he dropped out, he thought there was still going to be some allowance. And we're like, no, we love you, <laughs> but you're, you're 19, you're going on 20, and you've decided not go, to go in school. And the, the, the condition was for school. And, and more specifically, we knew we could only afford bachelor's degrees. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, yeah. the deal was awful. Like, if you want a graduate degree, that's awesome. Go get a job, save up your own money, and then go get that. Um, so, what are some guidelines around, you know, having those boundary discussions with, with your kids? Yeah, we talk in the book about uh, building your students' financial foundation. Because it just doesn't usually happen in the schools. Now, there are definitely exceptions in high school where the kids are taught a little bit about economics, uh, some personal finance, but it can be pretty sparse and uh, not really helpful. So helping them understand how money works before they have to start handling it on their own. So allowance is a great example, part-time jobs, uh, how a budget works. We went through, the kids all worked at a local grocery store and we go through their paycheck with them. Yeah, They're like, who the heck is FICA? Why are they taking all my money? <laughs> so learning how taxes work and um, you know, get th- getting them through uh, some basic understanding and then how much they can expect to maybe live on when they're in school. Uh, so it's not really an allowance, but it's more of a budget mentality of, you know, if you're going to have 50 bucks a week, how are you going to make that last? And, you know, those, those different conversations. So we just think that was, that's really important. Um, the other thing I wanted to, to say a mistake that I made um, is that by framing the state universities only, I overlooked how uh, much financial aid you can get from these smaller schools, yeah. the private colleges. And for some kids, the uh, private liberal arts will be much more undergraduate focused. The education will be much more focused on the undergraduate versus a big research university like UT or like Iowa, um, University of Iowa. So, you know, their focus is more on research. And once again, these are things I did not know about um, when we were making these decisions and selections. So, um, you know, helping your kid get framed for this is how money works is a huge first step. And then let's look outside the box a little bit when we're thinking about college and school and what's actually going to fit for you. Because I had four, they were all completely different. Yeah. They all had a very similar university experience and maybe that shouldn't have been the way that it went. It all turned out fine. But um, once again, just there's so much not knowing um, out there and and that's what we're really trying to help with. Yeah. I think you mentioned there's one website that helps you like take 3,700 university choices and whittle it down to like 37 at least. And it, but 3,700 universities out there at least, right? Oh uh, man, like there's, there's a ton and there's all these little small schools you, you, you don't even know exist. And some of them are super generous. They, they really put aid out to where you can pay less than you would at a state school and get a much more hands-on experience. Yeah. And for some kids that that smaller environment, uh, getting to know your professors. I mean, I remember when I went to the university of Northern Iowa and 
we had an on-site guy that was a state senator and an attorney, and he taught my business law class. And I learned so much from him, and we're still in contact. I still, uh, I was at a charity thing, and we we ran back into each other and stuff. But you know, I remember we, we joked a lot about music, and just it was a you know a really memorable experience. And when you're in a big auditorium, you're just not going to have that um, with, with your professors and stuff. And so again, tailor it to your, your kid and your family a little bit. This might really be there's let's think about something else. Let's go visit a school that maybe we wouldn't have uh, normally thought about visiting. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not going to hurt you. I mean, the worst that could happen is you'd say, okay, well not that school, or you learn some parameters like, okay, not this type of school, but definitely this. I love the, the professor to student ratio. I like, this looks like a quiet enough campus. So I can get a lot of work done. Um, and, and so that's really cool. It's, uh, yeah. so we, we've now <clears throat> talked about, you know, getting pre-qualified, having those finance conversations, but also exploring what kind of colleges are out there. What are your options? Not just from a money spending perspective, but also getting that overall package. What's the best training and development I'm going to get, um, as a student that I can afford. <laughs> and so that's right. uh, really important. Um, so let's see here. And now if, if my kids are younger, you know, like when you blended your family, they were at six, seven and eight, uh, you had twins at the six year old level. So, it's, you know, four kids all together. Somebody's doing the yeah. math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what could they start doing at that age to prepare for uh, sending their kids off to college that isn't going to have them eating beans and rice for the next 10, 15 years? Yeah. I, I just remember that your income can help support your college spending. And in many cases, all you're thinking about is your assets and how much you're saving. And that's important to build that foundation. But that when they leave the house, like we talked about, Jerry, they're not killing your fridge like they were. Yeah. You're not spending all this money on gas for them to get to football practice. Um, there's a lot of expenses that go away when they go to school and it gets transferred to their room and board and, and those things there. So when you're the pre-approval process that we put folks through is not just taking the 529 balances and savings. It's also looking at how much in monthly income that might be discretionary to help pay for, for uh, some portion of, of the school bill. Um, and then, you know, combining that with what their, that specific school's scholarships are and things like that. So, um, I think it's important to kind of just be noticing what your kid likes when they're young, you know, are they into sports? Are they into just super social? Um, what kind of classes they really excel in so that you're getting a feel for, you know, what they might want to be doing down the road. Now, when they're little and growing, it's there, you know, that changes so frequently. And, um, but I would say, you know, save as you can. But don't lose the balance that you also need to be thinking about your future. And this is a big part of what we talked about in the book is that this is a dual path. Your child is getting ready to launch and become a independent young adult. And you're about to become an empty nester and your yes. life is going to be very, very different because for the last 20 years, you have parented. We have driven them to soccer practice and blood, sweat and tears and, and helping these kids get ready for what's coming next. And you know, for me, that was a really emotionally painful time when the kids started driving and they weren't around as much anymore. They were never around. I felt like yeah. they were never <laughs> around. And then when they were, they were on their phone and talking to their friends. And I talk in the book about the social media blackouts that I used to try to institute. And anyway, so getting ready for the emotions that are coming for you as a parent are important too. Now, when they're young, like you asked, that's not as big a deal. You can really dig in and, and make your impact. But as they get older and they're getting ready to leave, it can be an emotionally challenging time. 
And so I just remember as I was going through it, I had to seek out some counsel. I was just having a, I was depressed and felt like I, here I've done all this work to get these kids raised. And now they don't even give a rip. They're not even, you know, they're never <laughs> even around anymore. And I had a friend that, that gave me some counsel and said, you know, the only reason they're able to do this, the only reason that they're able to be independent and be so strong and confident is because you've raised them right. And so after I grabbed a handkerchief and stopped bawling, um, that really made me feel better. And so I'd encourage the parents out there that are maybe going through this transition, Jerry, I know you're kind of right in the middle of it. Yeah, too. we are. Um, just know this is good. You've done good work and that's, they're able to do this stuff because of the work that you've, you've poured into their lives. Yeah. And I think, um, I think we were blessed in the sense that like when our kids were in their final years of high school, I could see that my wife was really pouring into them and trying to hold on to as much time as she possibly, possibly could get. Uh, and I did too, but you know, with the understanding that they're teenagers, they're going to, I, I did the same thing to my parents. Uh, they're doing it to us now. It's paying it forward. I understand. Uh, and so while my wife was holding on desperately to our children as they're about to fly away from the, the nest, I was looking ahead of what is life going to be like for my wife and I after they're gone? Because uh, when they're gone, it's going to be seven days a week most times. And it's, you know, we're going to get phone calls throughout the day. But most of the day, it's going to be my wife and I looking at each other at the end of the work day, like, who are you? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Who are you? And I, I didn't want us to be one of those couples that wound up divorced once the kids were gone because we realized we're total strangers. So I started thinking ahead in terms of what is our typical night going to be like? Well, I'm going to cook a meal for my wife every night. Um, it, that's not the case anymore, but uh, like we go out. If, if the well. air fryer counts, you're probably still doing right? that, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's always leftovers. Uh, you know, it, it's, but I do cook for her. We go out a lot and she at first was just really sad about it, uh, you know, because our kids are gone. And, and I felt the same way when we sent our first child off to college, I thought we were committing a crime. Like, are we allowed to leave him? Like, He's going to be 300 miles away. Are we allowed to do that? <laughs> we, we're responsible. It's for like when guy. you bring them home when they're babies, you're like, you're just going to let me take him. Right. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you put him in the car seat, in the back, you're like, what the heck, man? You're going to let, let me take him home. So it's like, yeah, we're Background check actually. on me at least something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, you know, 18 years of that though. And it's like, we just, we let him go. Like, we don't have to go pick him up after school. We don't have to get him to practice or, you know, anything like that. He's, he, he takes care of his own meals now. Um, his own laundry, all this, all the things. And uh, it's amazing how a human can survive on Chipotle alone. Right. When they're that age, right? Yeah. Uh, in his case, <laughs> I think it was Subway because it was like right go. down the street. Like it was closer than the actual dining hall for him was Subway. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so by the time our daughter came around, she was the baby girl. But, uh, you know, still felt like, does she think I don't love her if I send her off to college? And she was like, bye, dad. Thank you so much. Hug. Now I go. Know. And I'm like, oh, no, she's ready. That. That, yeah, I stalled yeah. when my daughter, I took my daughter, I said, well, let's go to Target and get your cable cords and let's go do this. And then we went and had some food and I was, I was just stalling. Yes. <laughs> so finally, I, I did tear up a little bit. I gave her a hug and off she went and I felt the same way. You just like, wow. Yeah. Some, some, I just feel like <laughs> something big really just happened. Yeah. I think my daughter picked up, I was doing the same thing. She's like, okay, well. If you want, you can wash that dish over there on the sink. <laughs> if you want, you could take that trash out. And then I yeah. came back. She's like, okay, if you want. And she like made a bag of trash for me to take out. I'm like, oh, thank you. Um, so yeah, it's, but it is important though. Like what do you and your wife do now that all the kids are gone so that you don't fall apart? Like your sole purpose was not just to raise two children or in your case, four children. Um, so what are some of the things that, you know, free up 
once the kids are gone. I mean, we talked about the food budget gets a lot bigger. Yeah. Well, that's a great question because it really is a time in life that can be incredibly satisfying. Um, there's been so much responsibility as a as the first half of your life um, around getting yourself into a position of success, whatever that means to you, whether it's your career or uh, geography or whatever. Um, you know, you you go through the the challenges of becoming a husband or wife in many cases, and and learning how all that works, and then you're raising kids. Well, now all of a sudden, it's your the focus can actually get back to you a little bit a little bit of what you might want to do. And so, you know, the name of our firm is Prairie Fire Wealth Planning. And I went through a program for it was a two-year uh, partnership with a number of different folks. And um, a Prairie Fire is designed to burn away old weeds, old chaff, and make room for new growth. And so they're purposeful burns that they do out here in the prairie in Iowa and, and other places. And that metaphor is speaks a lot about how you should approach the empty nest is taking a look at what have, what beliefs have I been living by that maybe don't work for me anymore? And where can I start taking some chances in my life now that the kids are gone, I've paid for, I've got college or all that figured out. Now I got to be thinking about what I want to accomplish. And like for us, it was then I really want to launch my own firm and I don't want to live I, on another one of your podcasts. Somebody talked about, you know, living with regret. Yeah. Uh, or living with, you know, you, you, you framed it really well. So it's recognizing that this is a time in life when you can do some of that. You can take some of those chances. And then as far as we call it the empty nest dream journal, but some things that so either some big goals, big trips, things that you've always wanted to do that now you're healthy enough and maybe financially fit enough that you can start doing some of that stuff. And so for us, it was starting from the business. For me, it was writing the book. It's just grabbing life, man. And it's really a chance to do some things that maybe you would have felt were selfish before that you can now um, live into and be proud of. And uh, I think it's good for the kids to see you do that, that you can, you know, you're living your life as well. And so that will inspire them. Yeah. And that's what we've seen ourselves. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, my wife uh, struggled a little bit at the beginning when our youngest had left. Uh but that like two months later, we were at Disney World, uh, just ourselves again. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, was that the first one? No, because uh, we took a trip just ourselves. She felt guilty about that. But the second time, so th- this is when we're fully empty nesters. Uh, <laughs> we did a second just us on our own to celebrate our 20th anniversary. And there was like no guilt whatsoever. <laughs> and awesome. I'm like, awesome. you can get used to this, huh? And she was already like thinking <laughs> about the next time we come and do this. She's like, next Christmas. I'm like, oh yeah. Or your birthday. Yeah. Or, and you know, it, it's just really neat to be able to start planning those trips. And, um, you know, even like at night, a typical weeknight, if we don't feel like cooking that night, we can just get in our car, go downtown, have dinner at a nice place. And we don't have to worry about picking anybody up. We don't have to worry about getting anybody ready for school the next day because uh, those kids are on their own now. They're adults. And and that has given us so much free time to get to know each other again. And I'm, I'm sure you and your wife have gone through something similar where you got a lot more time, not just, you know, for you, you got more time for each other. And it's like you get the honeymoon back all over again, uh, especially yeah. if you plan the this getting your kids into college and helping them fund that and having those boundaries you're you're not stuck in a place where you're perpetually paying for your kids expenses into their adulthood which i hear a lot of people complain about um because you're having that kind of conversation yeah cuz you can really end up getting out of balance in that so much has gone uh 
not just emotionally, but financially to the kids that all of a sudden now your future is in jeopardy. Yeah. And you have to work a lot longer than maybe you wanted to, or some of these chances that I talk about, you want, you can take when you're an empty nester, you're not able to do because you're, you're helping with student loans or, you know, still paying for a, a very expensive school or something like that. So finding balance there to say, uh, I've got to be thinking about my future too, because your kids don't want to support you any more than you want them to support you. Yeah. And so, uh, striking that balance, not sacrifice your retirement, your future, your plans is a, a huge important part of, of this journey for sure. Yeah. And I think one of the things that helped us frame our mind around that is, um, I forgot where I picked it up, but the idea was that your measure as a parent isn't based on what your children do, but how your grandchildren are taken care of. And so it's like, okay, well, if we raise our kids well and we raise them into adults, they're going to take great care of the grandkids. And so all we got to do is show up, spoil them and hand them back to their parents. Uh, right on. And so it's like, yeah, they're young adults. There are a lot of times where we want to dive in and save them. Uh, then we recognize if we let them figure that out for themselves and kind of give them some guidance around some boundaries, like don't just sign up for the first credit card you get and get yourself maxed out on that credit card, you know, really think through, do you need this? Do you want it? Uh, what's the impact if you get into debt uh, and think through that. And they do it on their own. And you've talked about that, you know, as early as you can help them with thinking through a budget, thinking through how to manage their money. Um, you're not going to have to support them. Uh, and you get that freedom. And that's, that's right. You know, that's it's right. a win-win. It's like they got their freedom. You got your freedom. And uh, you get that happy wife, happy life thing going. So, Well, that and the the community of friends that we've developed that are in the same uh you know, family situation. We met lots of them through the high school years and now all the kids are gone. And we have this tribe of friends around us now that they're just, those relationships mean so much to me. And we all, you know, there's, we have a fun jar as a group and we'll pull something out and then go to Kansas city for the weekend or right. go bowling or, you know, just, we all live on the, in the same vicinity of a golf course. We spend a lot of time out there together. And so it's, I tell you all this so that everybody out there will have some hope. If you feel like, wow, I don't, it's going to be so sad when the kids are gone. It, it is. That's it's a change. Oh yeah. But there's also a lot of rainbow, a lot of gold at the end of this rainbow. I promise. Nice. Uh, so the book, everybody is called empty nest full pockets. And the subtitle, I took my glasses off. It says how to emotionally and financially prepare for you and your children's future. And so that's what we're talking about that outlook on future possibility. When you're taking a look at your family circle, your finance circle, uh, even your health, your fitness circle, uh, all these things are coming together to have that life beyond the rut. Um, now folks, you can get this book on Amazon. That's, uh, actually I got a copy from Sarah, uh, but I also saw it on Amazon. So you yep. can buy it on there. Uh, and the link will be in the show notes here. Um, now folks want to reach out more and get more from Matt. Where do they go to connect with you either for your services, for speaking engagements, training, all that good stuff? Yeah. So the website's definitely the best spot, pfwplanning.com. Um, so that has links to uh, a lot of the resources that I mentioned in the book around the dream journal and some other handouts as far as finding generous schools and things like that. So a lot of resources there. There's also a link that you can schedule a call with us. Uh, we do that complimentary just to say if you might need our help. We can walk you through the first steps of getting ready to send your kid to college and or to plan for your future. Um, we we do both of those things in tandem, just like we do, you know, recommend in the book. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And Matt, any final words of wisdom for those listening in right now? 
just have hope. I know even if your kids are young and you're like, we're never going to be able to save enough, or if they're getting close to leaving and you're feeling kind of sad and lonely, um, you know, just, just know that uh, these things in many cases will work out and they'll work out generously to your, to your benefit. And the, the work that you're doing as a parent is, is great work and it will bring you a lot of satisfaction later in life and will allow you to say, I can, I can proudly go on to the second half of my life and really focus on wisdom and relationships and caring because of the work that I, that I did as a parent. So just, just have hope. Um, and yeah. And Jerry, thank you so much for having me. Oh yeah. It was a pleasure, Matt. Thanks for being on here. All right. Thanks. Now, I hope you got a lot out of that conversation like I did and took copious notes. If you did, great. If not, play it all over again and take some notes. What are you going to apply from this conversation where Matt gave us lots of tips and pointers on how we can succeed financially as empty nesters? And if you're not an empty nester yet, that's okay too because you can get started today. How cool is that? The best thing you could do to pay the show back is to pay it forward. So hit that share button. However you're listening to this episode right now, whatever app, whatever computer system, hit the share button and send this to somebody you know and say, this is what I loved about this conversation between Jerry and Matt. It's similar to what we talked about maybe. Another thing you could do is download a copy of my book when it comes out March 13th, 2023. And it's going to be called Beyond the Rut. Create a life worth living in your faith, family, and career. And one of the areas I talk about is money, how it can hold you back, but it can also propel you forward if you're the one in control. So I'm glad you joined me in this episode, and I look forward to joining you again in another one, and it'll most likely be a Jerry Short. But until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.